Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talking Smack, talking superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. With me again this week is Mandy Moore. Again, not that Mandy Moore, but <laughs> our <wish>. Mandy Moore. Because <laughs> then you could uh, hang out with Zachary Levi a lot more, huh? Heck yeah. <laughs> who, who uh, if you listened last week, I kind of missed that news because it literally broke as I was recording this episode, or my uh, news episode. And I just was so tired and lazy at that point that I just was like, I'm not going to look anything extra up. I have my list. Nothing important is going to happen. Yeah. Go figure. Of course. So if you didn't hear, Zachary Levi is cast as the superhero form of Shazam, formerly known as Captain Marvel. Yes. Not, not to be confused with Marvel's version of Captain Marvel. This is DC's version of Captain Marvel. Who used to be Marvel, but now there's Captain Marvel, who's a chick, and it's you know, and she a... used to be Ms. Marvel. Yeah, it's just a huge, huge the, explosion. The mantle of Captain Marvel is very confusing. <laughs> so DC decided that Captain Marvel again is just too confusing, and they just in the New Fifty Two Rebirth era of DC Comics they redubbed him Shazam, which I find very odd. He can't say his own name exactly. without depowering. And I went into that last <laughs> week, too. Uh, but yeah, he the way he turns into the superhero is by saying the word Shazam, and he gets struck by lightning and either becomes the superhero or transforms out of his superhero Wasn't form. it like an alien wizard or something gave him his powers? I think it was just I a can't. wizard. Just a wizard? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I always... DC has so many, like just alien entities in their universe i can't keep it all straight marvel is now too they're definitely branching off more into space since like the 70s and 80s but i always think of dc as the more space oriented i can definitely agree with that they they they're the ones that really had the the green lanterns and all that i think they showed up before the guardians of the galaxy uh i mean jack kirby loved the the galactic weird Mm -hmm. stuff but i i think DC definitely has a, a pretty big lockdown on the, the mm-hmm. cosmic stuff. I actually had this conversation, uh, this was a while back ago with one of my best friends, was one thing I've noticed, Marvel always likes to tr- try to take the little guy and boost him up, be, be it uh, DNA or weird random circumstances. DC tends to have more godlike figures, more more uh, either foreign less entities. Everyman. Yeah, yeah, less everyman. Like, you, ha- you still have your everyman, don't get me wrong. You have, like... Obviously, Bruce Wayne. Well, <laughs> if every man was a billionaire, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and like the Flash, but you have like Wonder Woman, who's an Amazon. And depending on where that's from, that's either another planet or a hidden part of the planet or, you know, wherever. Superman, the Green Lantern Corps, or the all of the Lantern Corps, are somewhat very space-oriented, and then so on and so forth. So I can't keep it all straight who's an alien and who's not. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I mean, 99% of the Green Lantern Corps is aliens. You mm-hmm. have, I think they're up to five humans in the, the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, you have your original recipe four of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, and um, Guy Gardner. And then there's a new one that came in with the New 52, and I never bothered reading it because he just looked weird and kind of stupid with a mask. There's a female one now, too. Uh, oh, God, I'm going to botch her name. I'm pretty sure it's Jessica Cruz. I, I just downloaded her run, um, the Rebirth run right now, and I think some of her old 50, New 52 stuff, I, when she was introduced, if I remember correctly, I just downloaded her stuff like onto my iPad a week ago because she's um, 
like a super anxiety ridden has like PTSD or something, not PTSD, but definitely like anxiety and panic attacks. So it's really cool to see her kind of overcome and become a Green Lantern because she's so engulfed by fear and anxiety. But, you know, that's the greatest enemy of a Green Lantern. That she has it within herself. So it's kind of a really cool concept. Yeah. So I've, I've been meaning to read her for a while. And, um, but it's always, you know, if, especially if you're not into a particular series or run or you're trying to find an introduction, it's so hard to try to hunt down the, uh, oh, I need issue 374 of this character's first appearance, and then I need to jump into this one to read that and that. So if I'm... Uh, Unless I, it's a Marvel book uh, uh, until recently, where I need issue number five, which one? Yeah. Oh, well, um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man in the last four years has had 17 reboots. Which one do you need? That's just the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to Zachary Levi. Uh, the, the big question now becomes, who is the kid that plays Shazam? For, for those who aren't familiar, Shazam is actually a child or a teenager, depending on the iteration, uh, where he gets imbued by Merlin or some wizard. I, I want to say it's Merlin. I, I don't remember for sure. You probably will it, remember better than I do it wouldn't in all surprise honesty. Me. I, I remember reading the, uh, the new 52 Shazam origin uh, coinciding with the Justice League. They had like little shorts involved in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, leading up to Shazam being in, introduced in, introduced within the team, and I swear it was Merlin, but I, I could be wrong. I I don't remember. But in that version, Billy Batson was five, fifteen years old, mm-hmm. and he was a little shit. <laughs> he he basically earned the the ability to become Shazam by default because uh-huh. the wizard was dying, oh. and he just was like, I need to get rid of this power before Black Adam shows up and kills me and takes the power. What a and so Billy Batson's just kind of like. You're an old douche. Give me the power. I'll do it. Just like, (laughs) fuck you. I'll take the power. I like it better being like an innocent 10-year-old boy. Plus, it just leads it to more comedy because you literally have like a 10-year-old who knows nothing what it means to be an adult. And then he's this big, giant, muscular man who's saving the day. And he still talks like a child from Mm -hmm. time to time. That's the charm to me of Shazam. And that's where I think Zachary Levi is an amazing casting Mm -hmm. choice. Because for those of you familiar with him and Chuck... That's basically all he has to do is he yeah. just he gets to be a more buff Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> Shazam is very similar to Superman. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have like the heat vision and the the cold breath and stuff. In the the DC universe, the movie universe, it would be kind of interesting to see what uh, a kid would do with the powers of what he believes to be Superman. Because among mm-hmm. other things, we really don't know what this world views of Superman because DC or Batman V Superman, they were just kind of like Batman sucks or Superman sucks. He shouldn't, he shouldn't be allowed to just do whatever, wherever he needs to align with someone and take orders. Yeah. And that just, the Zack Snyder's universe just makes no sense because again, Superman's supposed to be a beacon of hope and we have never seen that in, yeah. this, in this movie universe. And all of a sudden we're supposed to be led to believe that, the world is mourning the loss of Superman. That's kind of what throws me off is I can I can get the viewpoint of mankind being afraid of him and need, needing him to be kind of roped in and, you know, tied down to some sort of ally for humanity rather than everybody afraid of, oh, God, what is he going to do? When is he going to turn on us? It's not a matter of if, but when. I don't know. I don't feel like he ever really did anything. It never felt like he was just like, you know, well, think Spider-Man. Spider-Man is like 
everybody thinks he's a, well, not everybody, but he's portrayed as a menace to society and nobody likes him and we should just down with Spider-Man. But what does he do? He doesn't get angry about it. He doesn't get like, nobody likes me. He, he decides, he's like, cool, I'm just going to be a good guy. And hopefully people will just see through to that. And he kind of climbs his way up the ladder to earn respect and to show people, look, I'm not what the media betrays me as. I'm a good guy. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't really feel like that Superman really kind of had any moment like that. Not this Superman, no. He, not, he Yeah, not this Superman. That's a he, good point. <laughs> he wanders around until he's 33 because Zack Snyder is obsessed with the Jesus allegory with this Superman. <laughs> and he he finds a spaceship that has his father's AI in it. Or no, he has the, the key, mm-hmm. uh, which he plugs into the spaceship that he randomly finds in the Arctic. That Lois Lane just also happens to be inspecting at the same time. And he gets a suit and he's like, cool, um, I'm going to fly for the first time. And it's supposed to be this great moment and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's it's supposed to be this like great, oh my God, I'm flying moment. And it it just, it that scene did not work. Like mm-hmm. visually it was very cool. The, the shot of the the pebbles like starting to hover around his hand. Yeah. And then he, he blasts off. Like that part is cool. And then he's flying and it's just kind of like, I've seen it. Yeah. You're not doing anything new at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only time we really see him smile in any of these movies. <laughs> For real. Until we see the tra- the most recent trailer where he stands awkwardly in a field and like in a dream sequence yeah. and talks to Lois, gives her a little smirk like, I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> hey, girl. You, you know you miss me, girl. <laughs> You're Henry sure. Cavill. You do- I'm pretty sure everyone's going to give you a yes. Uh, to be fair, he smiled in that awkward bubble bath scene in uh, Batman v Superman, I think it was. I mean, I would smile too. In that yeah. moment, so. Oh, just taking a bubble bath. Let me be quirky and get in my with my clothes on. Ha ha ha! Get it? I'm quirky. <laughs> Sorry. There's there's so much wrong with the DC universe, and honestly, with the the Justice League movie getting cut down to two hours, I I don't know how I feel about it. Hopefully, it's just a very tight story with all the fluff cut out and it's just a very <clears throat> A to B to C sort sort of story. That's and it's what still I'm fulfilling. hoping. So. My hopeful prediction would be that with the success of Wonder Woman, they're kind of maybe hoping, just going to let the directors do what they want. Because a lot of the problem is WB kept kind of micromanaging. Now, Marvel kind of does the same thing. They rope in their directors saying like, hey, stay on track. We need this. But they let their directors usually most of the time do their vision. They flubbed with a few of those in the beginning, but I think especially as of now in phase three, are we in? We're in phase, phase three. three? Yes. I think this was. I think Thor was uh, chapter five of phase three. Okay, especially here with phase three, and we will obviously get into that here in a little bit. Yeah, for those of you that don't realize, this is the Thor review episode. Yes, <laughs> um, they're definitely letting their directors have fun. They're still keeping them on track. But they're letting them use any means necessary to get from point A to point B to point C. Um, I think that's a big, big nod to Kevin Feige for getting this Marvel Studios brand out from under Ike Perlmutter. Because mm-hmm. uh, Perlmutter, he wanted to gut the budget of Civil War. He wanted they. I think they had like a hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy-five million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. He wanted to knock it back to like ninety-five million. Oh, oh my God! You're not gonna get eight or nine superheroes, however many they had, plus no. Spider-Man in there, and have it look good. Well, heck, I, that chunk they probably wanted to cut was just what Marvel had to pay to Sony. You know yeah. what I mean? 
with how much that they're kind of at each other's throats as far as... I, I couldn't see Perlmutter agreeing to that deal. Mm. Uh, I, the, de- the deal was Marvel literally just says, we make the movie, you get the profit of, mm-hmm. of whatever the movie makes. Because Marvel still got all of the uh, merchandising. Yeah. Mo- merchandising. <laughs> <laughs> They, they got all of the profits from the merchandising. <laughs> oh, goodness. Spaceballs 2, the search for more money. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm constantly on that search. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Uh, but yeah, I, I think a large part of Marvel's success and their ability to uh, let these directors kind of do what they want is because they did get uh, Perlmutter out from over them. Now it's just mm-hmm. Kevin Feige running the show and he doesn't mm-hmm. have to answer to Fe- uh, Perlmutter. And I think DC is kind of getting in that wing with Jeff Johns. I'm hoping so. My my big gripe is I think Jeff Johns kind of is too infatuated with himself because the new 52 is his baby. Uh, he also did Flashpoint which is allegedly going to be the the first Flash movie that we get. Uh, but that's largely dependent on how well Justice League does by rumor. Um, if Justice sense. League does well, then they're going to skip over Flashpoint for now. Jeff Johns is a really good storyteller. I really enjoyed his uh, New 52 Aquaman run. I really enjoyed his Justice League run. Uh, he's he's had he writes good stories. Mm-hmm. And he had a big hand in the post production stuff with Wonder Woman, and I think that that plays a big role because Wonder Woman was well into production when he took over as like the creative head of DC, and Warner Brothers just kind of handed him the keys. So <laughs> to a burning car, <laughs> <laughs> Lisa handed him a fire extinguisher. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens, especially with Joss Whedon attached to it. Uh, if he gets his editors in there, I think they they can make a pretty concise and solid story for Justice League. I just I'm concerned at how short it's going to be. I don't know what's going to happen with the the future of the DC universe, but Aquaman I'm sure is going to be fun. It's being directed by James Wan, who did a a really good, uh, I think it was Fast and Furious 7 mm-hmm. he did. And then he also did Star Trek Beyond, which was awesome in my opinion. I uh-huh. love that movie. There's not a wasted scene in Star Trek Beyond. I I, I could watch that movie a hundred times and be like, yep, yep, makes sense. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. That leads to that. Everything serves Perfect. a purpose. <laughs> exactly. To, to sum everything up, um, Zachary Levi, fun choice. Yes. It does kill my dream of him being Nightwing though. I thought he'd be a really good Nightwing. Oh, he w- oh my God. I think he would be. They did cast, I don't remember the actor's name, they did cast for Nightwing. In the, the uh, DC streaming service, yeah, I forget mm-hmm. the kid's name. He looks good, too. Uh, he's, I mean, as long as he's got a good butt, because <laughs> that literally Nightwing is known in the DC universe for having the best butt in the entire universe, man or woman. There have literally been characters who have identified him just from his rear end. They'll look, they're like, is that Dick? And they'll be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Christopher Jones, one of my one of my favorite artists. He's a guy that does a lot of concept art, and he does the the Young Justice comic. He he has a, a commission of Dick and Babs standing next to each other doing the superhero pose, uh-huh. and Babs is leaning back, and she goes, "I'm so glad you don't wear a cape." <laughs> I mean, aren't we all? <laughs> I mean, I, I I find it a little uncomfortable, but that's that's just me. Hey man, it's only because you wish you had a butt like that. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with my derriere. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag not all butts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So moving on, Zachary Levi, good choice for Shazam. He can just chuck it up and it'll be great. Yep, I agree. 
So in, in like some odd news, Amazon is in talks with Warner Brothers and the Tolkien estate to develop a Lord of the Rings television series. No idea what that means. Don't know if they're just basing it in Middle Earth or if they're planning on turning Lord of the Rings into Game of Thrones. <clears throat> well, not only that, but um, obviously Game of Thrones is kind of the go-to for what they would be kind of comparing it to or putting it up against. But you've had even more uh, shows that have been successful. Uh, like, what was that one? Vikings? Yeah, Vikings um, has been pretty successful. So medieval-esque shows, be it medieval in like Europe or medieval in... Or I guess I guess Vikings. I'm so bad with history, swords so I apologize. Yes, yeah, swords and shields. Thank you. That's a good way to put it because I don't know if technically Vikings are considered medieval. I think so, but I don't know history and timing periods and everything like that. Uh, it, it'd be well. You have like the video game sh- series, like Shadows of War, Shadows of Mordor. They technically are just in universe. They have nothing to do with the movies or the books or anything other than maybe some Easter eggs that pop up. They're their own thing. So I'd be curious to see whether this is going to be its own thing. If it's going to be based off of characters from the game. If it's going to be based off of characters from the movies or books. Its whole other thing. They're just throwing it in universe and seeing where it goes from there. I personally would really like to see a post-War of the Ring uh, universe where Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadil, is that? Yeah, Tom Bombadil shows up and uh, is trying to become the next Sauron. Mm -hmm. I get get Sauron and Saruman mixed up. They're way too close of a name. Tolkien, what the hell are you thinking? (laughs) To confuse everybody. (laughs) Pretty much. Because there's, there's a, a contingent of Lord of the Rings fans, and I'm one of them, that thinks that Tom Bombadil was actually just kind of a, a tyrant in waiting. Mm-hmm. He was waiting for his moment to strike after Sauron was defeated. And uh, I, I think it makes sense, and I think it, it would be very compelling if they could do that. But among other things, you would have to retell the story of the War of the Ring to let people know who Tom Bombadil is. Yeah, exactly. And well, and uh, if they're doing, it's really popular now to do like hour long shows. Um, so I mean, even if they do just like a um, 10 minute history or something like that, like I'm envisioning how, you know, whenever they do like historic flashbacks, it always looks like it's old time, like pottery art or just like biblical art, like almost uh, like a stained glass window and they, they move in slow motion and stuff. So you can kind of retell the last part of the book slash movies. In kind of like a storybook element, yeah. My almost. Pro- my problem with it is that while the Lord of the Rings books are very long, it's because Tolkien goes into such descriptive detail. Mm-hmm. If he didn't describe everything with such detail, is the only word that's coming to mm-hmm. mind, uh, with such precision, I, I don't think the books would be nearly as long. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and I don't know how you could turn a C- TV series out of this story. Um, I mean, we we had a cartoon that I think told the story pretty concisely as well back in the, the 80s the movie? and the 70s. The, yeah. yeah, like the With original. With the super creepy golem. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, I was talking with our buddy Derek a while ago, and I finally finished the, the Aragon series, the, the Inheritance Cycle. And that series, I think, works better as a, a Game of Thrones type sh- show or concept. It wouldn't necessarily work as a movie. Just because there's so much detail and there's so many side stories that fill in gaps for what happens later on that would be lost in a two to two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Like the one that we got that was a 90 minute just butchering of everything. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't know if a Lord of the Rings series based on the books 
would work as well as either a prequel or a sequel TV series would because there's there's gaps that you can fill in in between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings or even before The Hobbit and then obviously after once uh, like magic has left Middle-earth what what does a, a kingdom under King Aragorn look like? <laughs> Burning in flames. No, <laughs> he, turns out he actually didn't know how to govern. He just looked really nice. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's burning alive still oh god save us <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's how i imagine it going. That's, that's fine you can, you're entitled to your opinion yeah. it can be wrong yeah <laughs> aragorn's a saint yeah i just like to to upset all of the lord of the rings fans <laughs> sort of like randall in uh clerks 2 yeah <laughs> exactly it took, how long are the three movies? Like 700 hours. It took them that long just to shrug a ring into a volcano. <laughs> no, I, I love those movies. I Personally, the, the Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite of the three. I think the other ones get a little too campy for me. Uh, I think Fellowship is a much more concise and actually visually much more beautiful movie. But I think that's kind of the point is you go from lush green, kind of innocent with the hobbits and everyone. And then as they go through the, these trials, they become more weary and world traveled and uh-huh. yeah. each shrug. <laughs> yeah. Shrug, drop well, ring into fire. <laughs> all, all we can do is speculate at this point. It, yeah. it's, it's hard to, to speculate on something we don't know much more about other than the fact that Amazon's apparently branching out beyond their faux realistic shows like transparent and other shows uh that are fairly similar i mean they've got like man in the high tower but that's still kind of a gritty drama where lord of the rings yeah. would be much more fantasy exactly yeah another thing we will see is the live action lion king movie i i looked at the i, I know that the cast list got announced and i looked at it and it, i'm i'm pretty stoked i actually although i do wish that they would just bring back um rowan atkinson atkinson i can't say his name oh my gosh i can't say any names instead of john oliver but to be fair john oliver like he's basically just like this is he looks and His nose sounds, makes him look like Zazu. He does. He looks like Rowan Atkinson, kind of, and he <laughs> kind of sounds like him a, a little bit. He needs to be a little, you know, I'm thinking Mr. Bean, though. But <laughs> but uh, who, who was playing Simba? Uh, Danny. Donald Don, Dan, Glover. Donald Glover. Yeah, he's, Holy he's adult Simba. smokes. I'm excited. I love that guy. I, I can't wait for it to see him. He's the reason I want to go see the Han Solo movie is uh-huh. because he's playing Lando Calrissian. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I loved him in Community. I love his stand-up comedy. Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino, yes. Fantastic. Uh, I Um, haven't seen Atlanta yet, but I think that's on Hulu, and that's on my to-do list. Same. um, We had to, unfortunately, cancel our Hulu subscription a little while ago due to financial difficulties. But that was, like, a whole year ago, and I've been meaning to get it back again because i miss hulu that's how i channel flipped was through hulu you can't really channel flip through netflix i have tgif now i yeah. I, I, I don't want to watch anything else yeah <laughs> I, once voltron shows up again on netflix i'll be like okay let's watch netflix for a little while and then i'll go right back to yeah. my tgif <laughs> there you go man <laughs> but yeah no i've heard absolutely fantastic things about atlanta and just i'm but i'm so bad when it comes to watching like it, which is ironic, me being on this podcast. I'm so bad when it comes to watching TV or movies. I'm so bad. I'm a binge watcher, though. I hate watching stuff when it's, like, airing because I'm impatient. Mm-hmm. I'm super impatient. I just want to watch, oh, man, when Game of Thrones, I binge watched five seasons in a span of a week. 
That was rough. <laughs> that was rough. I was dedicated like nine hours straight of watching. And then by then my body was shaking and I was sleep deprived and I'd have to go to sleep, wake up early and finish like the 10th episode in that season and then go to work and then come back and start it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's benefits to binging. Um, I introduced Derek to Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes and Young Justice. Mm-hmm. They're both only two. And I also introduced him to Sp- uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, uh-huh. which they're all two seasons long, unfortunately. And they're all great. Among other things, he didn't have to wait to watch them, but it also sucks because it's just like, that's it? So it's the binging has its its advantages, especially with shows that are no longer with us, uh, except for Young Justice. Thank- that was Yay! Resurrected. Yes, thank goodness. Uh, so also in the, the Lion King announced was Beyonce as Nala, which I feel was a, a given. I mean, you, you really can't get much better than that, especially when you're expecting someone to sing. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, I guess they they are going to give her a little bit more to do in the movie, which is to be expected. If they're doing a Jungle Book kind of thing, they're going to probably pad out the runtime from 90 minutes to probably two hours and 10 minutes. So yeah. you got to fill in that time somewhere. So why not give Beyonce more to do? Well, and it's, and, you know, this is a good thing, of course, but like uh, it's been very popular to have more strong female characters and have them have more independence. And Nala was awesome in the animated movie. Like, she was a strong character. My God, she was one of the only people who went out to find food and oppose Scar as much as she could, you know what I mean? So it makes sense. She she already had those characteristics, so it's not like they're rewriting her to just be a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. It'll just show up on the screen. Exactly. They'll give her more to do. And so that'll be, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then James Earl Jones is returning as Mufasa, which is the only thing you can do. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, you, you can't do anything better yeah. than James Earl Jones. As long as that man is still alive, you do not recast Mufasa. Yeah, the, <laughs> my, only, my only concern is I don't want old Mufasa. Like, we got old Vader in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could you could kind of tell that, I don't know if it's just the voice director or what, but he his Vader just sounded a little off. And I, I hope we're not getting that with Mufasa. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce Sarabi's name. I know, obviously, I know Sarabi, but the actress playing her, Alfre Woodard or Alfre, A L F R E. So, um, Alfre, I'm going to go with Alfre. Uh, sure, we'll do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly not too familiar with her. I guess she was in Luke Cage, um, among other things. I'm way behind on my Marvel shows because, like I said, I've been skipping out of my netflix i rewatched jessica jones for like the third time but i still haven't started like iron fist you know what i mean like i've I, heard you can skip iron fist i still want to watch it but that's kind of unfortunately what i've heard too i like to give it the benefit of a doubt sarabi wasn't given much to do but again they're they're padding out the runtime so we'll probably get some kind of fallout from when mufasa is killed and when she's told simba is dead i would assume something like that would have, have a good emotional moment yeah and then uh, my favorite casting is Billy Eichner as Timon. <laughs> I I think that is great casting. I'm gonna miss Nathan Lane, man. <laughs> I, I like Nathan Lane too. I think I think Billy Eichner is the modern and even better <laughs> Nathan Lane. Oh yeah, well. And then uh, I'm okay with this. I'm not kind of. I'm I, I, not for or against yeah, it. I don't care. I think it's fine. Uh, Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. I I can hear it. Uh, yeah. I can it's, get behind that. It's Seth Rogen. It it, it kind of is just like. Okay, yeah, you're going to play a stinky boar pig. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, so I'll just show up in my underwear <laughs> and just talk, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> just smacking down on some gummy worms, getting into character. 
gummy grubs, maybe. <laughs> and then uh, my namesake, Scar, is going to be played by Chuatel Ejiofor, who you would know him most recently from Doctor Strange and 12 Years a Slave. Oh, okay. Uh, he made, I believe he made his big screen debut in Serenity, mm-hmm. the Firefly capper. Nice. Um, I, I think that's great casting. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you would have Jeremy John, Jeremy Irons back, but I think Chiwetel Ejiofor could, could, he can definitely do a, a menacing, but also kind of a seductive yeah. kind of menacing. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Cool. So yeah, I, it's a I'm, strong. I'm very much behind that. Strong cast. When is this coming out? Because I want to watch it now. <laughs> I, I think it's scheduled for 2019. Oh, too far but away. But I know they do have a full. <laughs> they have a full mock-up of the opening sequence, which I guess from what was mentioned at the D23 event this past summer, the Circle of Life sequence is like shot for shot the same thing. Awesome. And it just looks amazing. Oh, that's cool. People that saw that that screening of the, the opening sequence was just like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, dude. Nice. <clears throat> and then our young protagonists, young Nala and young Simba. Young Nala will be played by Shahadi Wright Joseph. Simba will be played by J.D. McCrary. Uh, they're child actors. I know absolutely yeah. nothing about them. <laughs> but... I'm sure Disney and uh, John Favreau, who's directing, chose wisely. They, and if they... they're not good, they're only kids for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the adult ones here before you know it. <laughs> Sing a little Akuna Matata age over the next 15 years. You're perfect. And then we talked a little bit about John Oliver's Zazu. I think I think he'll be fine as Zazu. Yeah, and he'll do it just fine. John Connie will be Rafiki. John Connie, you would know as T'Chaka from Captain America Civil War. Um, he played the king of Wakanda for about 90 seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he got blown up. <laughs> Solid casting. <laughs> but in that 90 seconds, he was really good. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then I, I believe they're, they're renaming or at least getting rid of one of the hyenas. Uh, and renaming him. Because they have Azizi, Shenzi, which I think were both... were. Um, Cheech Marin and Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. And then they had Ed, who Ed. was voiced by Jim Cummings. Mm-hmm. He was the one that just laughed and made noises. Like, yeah. He was basically the Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Um, and now they're saying uh, Kamari is the name. And these are going to be played by Eric Andre, the guy with the big hair from, um, oh, what was that Jason Lee show? Oh, uh, my, my name is Earl? My name is Earl, yes. He was the guy that had the big hair. He yeah. He his ex-wife. Okay. Um, Florence Kasumba and Keegan-Michael Key. Uh, obviously, everyone knows Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah. Uh, he's everywhere in everything all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, I'm not too familiar with Florence Kakumba, Kasumba. They, she's in, she's going to be in Black Panther. I think she's playing uh, T'Challa's sister. Okay. So, I mean, something to look forward to to know her in, but I don't know anything previously that she's been in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, personally, I think it's kind of cool that they did not get Lupita Nyong'o. She kind of seems to be the almost the stereotypical minority actress to mm-hmm. go for. So I, I kind of appreciate, not that I don't wish her work. I think she's wonderful. Well, especially since, uh, and uh, again, I'm I she's from, is she from South Africa? Or I couldn't tell you. I can't I, remember. I know that she's actually, I think, from Africa or mm-hmm. South Africa or maybe Zimbabwe, but she's like from that region. And obviously, it's like, oh, well, we're gonna do you know African safari movie. Let's get her. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's they they branched out and it's, they got it's a cliche choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, but I mean, she she won a, an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, and she's going to be in Black Panther. She she's she's Maz Kanata in Star Wars, which I mean, you wouldn't know that unless you knew that. Well, heck, maybe even they were just like, oh, well, we already have her in two Disney movies. We can't have her in a third. We can't afford to have her in a third. <laughs> <laughs> she's too good. <laughs> Very possible. Right. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a solid cast all around. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some background characters mm-hmm. that maybe get a line or two. But overall, it's it's these 10 to 12 yeah. characters. Solid. I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's a great cast. I can't wait even just for a trailer. You know what I mean? I personally just... hope we just get that trailer that they released at D23. I just hope it's a little more refined and it doesn't look as animated. Yeah. Because, I mean, it would be amazing to get the same trailer we got when we were kids. Yep. But in the the realistic CG. Yeah, that would be cool. All right. So moving on to our steak of the week. I think that's my new thing for getting to the the main story of the podcast. We just had the potatoes. Now we're going to have the meat. Exactly. Mm. Or we had the mozzarella sticks appetizers. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, come on, man. You make me hungry. (laughs) Got some chicken Alfredo waiting for me at home. Ooh. (laughs) Heck yeah. To kind of continue the news for a brief moment, Thor Ragnarok opened uh, Thursday night showings at an estimated $14.5 million, which is really solid. Oh, yeah. I don't have any numbers to compare that to, but it has opened uh, for Friday showings, which I believe includes the $14.5 million at $46 million on Friday and is projected to open at $115 million for the weekend. For reference, Spider-Man Homecoming this year opened at $117 million. So you think a figure a Thor movie is going to open at a projected two million less than a Spider Man movie? Yeah, that's impressive. Oh yeah, the Thor franchise easily, and I don't think it's very controversial to say this. As far as the Marvel films go, they've definitely been the weakest of each phase, the with ones the exception of the sequel. Yeah, y- yeah. I was gonna say uh, Incredible Hulk. I am a huge Hulk fan. I- I'm a huge, huge Hulk fan. So I liked that movie. I know it has its flaws. And even just with the character of the Hulk, I understand why he does not get a direct sequel. Uh, And we'll get into that in here in a few minutes. But, you know, and I get it. I still enjoyed uh, even the Edward Norton Hulk movie, I think, more than I enjoyed the first Thor movie. On on that merit. I can understand. I think the Incredible Hulk was the weakest of Phase 1. But I definitely think Phase 2, Thor 2, was the weakest. Like, hands down. It's one of the weakest of of the entire Marvel franchise. This makes me really happy. (laughs) (laughs) I liked this movie. This movie was a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to start with non-spoilers. So we're going to... I do want to try and do a non-spoiler spoiler spoiler so people can kind of get our thoughts. And if they haven't seen it yet and they want to go in unspoiled oh man um, my my non-spoiler is gonna be short because <laughs> even just a matter of like the jokes in it that we may or may not talk about that's to me spoilers because yeah, there were so many that came out of left field i i've got three notes for um my non-spoilers <laughs> which first of all this is the first marvel movie since ant-man to have a well i guess technically civil war to have a a scene that was in a post credit scene from a previous movie. So um, in Ant-Man, we had the scene of Bucky with his arm under the magnet uh, and Cap and Falcon talking like the, the Accords aren't going to let us do any of this. We're flying under the radar here. We can't let anyone know. Uh, and then that scene was played out in full in Civil War. In this one, we had the Doctor Strange post credit scene where Doctor Strange and Thor are sitting down. Doctor Strange gives him a tea and he's like, I don't drink tea. 
and then mm-hmm. he like brings it down, pulls it back up, and all of a sudden it's a nice it's a big, big yeah. beer or ale or whatever. A 700 ounce beer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Doctor Strange is just kind of like, so if I help you find your dad, you'll get Loki out of here. And we see that scene played out entirely in, in Ragnarok. And uh, I just thought that was interesting. So I'm like, I know I, they've done this before, but I can't remember what movie. So mm-hmm. I looked it up and it was Ant-Man that they had the, the Civil War little kind of stinger for. Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of interesting because it's not something they typically do. The, the post-credit scenes tec- typically don't have any kind of appearance into the other movies that they mm-hmm. technically tease. They're either a lead up or just like little one-off jokes, you yeah. know, of what's happening now. Kind of like while everything is... All well and dandy. Who's doing what? Like, shawarma kind of thing. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Exactly. Like, like, okay, what happens after all the destru- destruction? Shawarma. <laughs> and then uh, my my favorite Easter egg of the entire movie, I, I leaned over and I told you at the minute the, the movie was done, like, don't let me forget this. Uh, <laughs> there's very early on in the movie when Thor still has his hammer, which that's not a spoiler because it's in every In the trailer, trailer. yeah. When Thor has his hammer and he's wandering around like Doctor Strange's uh, Sanctum Sanctorum, and he's he's just kind of in street clothes. He's got he's carrying around this umbrella, and you'll hear it make the Mjolnir noise, but mm-hmm. it's it clearly isn't like Mjolnir. At one point, Hela shows up and he just slams it on the ground, and he turns into Thor. Like mm-hmm. the the umbrella becomes his hammer, and he's in his armor, and he's ready to go. And I, the minute that happens, like that's amazing because <laughs> it. For those of you that don't know. Uh, when in the Thor comics, Thor wasn't always just Thor. He was uh, a doctor named Donald Blake, which is an Easter egg from a previous Thor movie where he was impersonating Jane Foster's ex-boyfriend, which mm-hmm. ironically now Thor is Jane Foster's ex-boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and so I, I just thought that was a really cool little nod to the comics. And mm-hmm. there, there's a bunch of really cool little nods, uh, but that one just stuck out at me because... Uh, Donald Blake in the comics just he had a walking stick and whenever he needed to turn into Thor he would slam it on the ground mm-hmm. and he would get struck by lightning just like Shazam. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, he would become Thor and I just thought that was super cool. Yeah, no, you like you said you told me after the movie you're like don't I forget but this this and that I'm like oh my god that completely went over my head that is so awesome and the more I thought about this movie the more that they have just like little love letters little Easter eggs here and there and it oh, it was. I liked this movie. <laughs> it was it was so much fun. I think this might personally I enjoyed this movie more than I enjoyed uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider Man Homecoming. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two had way too many jokes that just kind of kept going. Uh, they got to the point where they just weren't funny. Mm-hmm. Where I think Thor Ragnarok just they knew when to keep it short. They knew when to kind of have it run a little bit, but they knew yeah. exactly when to let it end. Yeah, and it was yeah. great. Definitely, definitely. Um, everything there was only one joke while i cracked up at it because i'm a morbid person (laughs) there was only one joke that kind of cut into the flow and we'll get into that when we're in the spoiler territory i don't even want to say this much until we get to the spoiler 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 category because like i feel like even saying this is gonna uh you know get people kind of anticipating the movie but please if you have not watched this movie yet listen up until we're done talking about non-spoilers go back go and go see this because i don't want to spoil a single joke for anyone yeah like, we're, we're going to oh talk a lot about these jokes because again <laughs> you, if you've seen this movie these jokes are amazing uh the last thing i do want to talk about really quick the director taika waititi 
uh, did the voice. I think he did the voice acting. I know he did the voice acting. I think he also did the motion capture. He did. He did. For uh, Korg the Cronin. Yep. Who um, is the big rock monster, which the Cronins are the first villains that Thor ever faced in the comics, uh-huh. which is also an Easter egg in the first or, uh, Thor of the Dark World. But he, he based the character of Korg off of Polynesian bouncers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea is that they're these big and tough on the outside guys, but on the inside, they're friendly and kind. He said he mixed in a little bit of his mom in there, too. <laughs> I can see that. I can believe that. <laughs> but, and and th- to be said, like, so I've never been one of those people where, oh, it's not like the comics. I don't appreciate this movie. It changed things. Because to me, just like how there's Universe 616 and there's 400 other Marvel universes where things change, to me, the movie universe is its own universe. Yeah, it's within so the multiverse. To me, it I don't mind any of the changes they do as long as they make sense. Plus, you know, you have to condense sometimes a huge, huge long-running comic series or even just decades of character into a two-hour movie. Uh, From the trailers, I instantly knew that they were going to be taking Planet Hulk and kind of this was going to be an unofficial Hulk sequel, I suppose, or just Hulk movie. Uh, That was actually the main reason I wanted to go see this. I I love Thor, but... I don't think this is as much of a Hulk movie as I thought it was going to be. I... It, yeah, I, I was expecting a little bit more, to to be honest, especially with a lot of the heavy, heavy influences of Planet Hulk that are in the trailers. Because, I mean, let's be honest, most of the trailers focus on the whole arena battle. Yeah, I would, which, you I know, would scene. say the entire second act is basically the Hulk portion of the movie. Yeah, exactly. First, first act is definitely Thor, second act is Hulk, and then third act is back to... Thor again. Um, Which again is not necessarily spoilers because we've seen the Hulk stuff in the trailers. Yeah, exactly. So don't get mad at us. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh man, I thoroughly enjoyed everything with the Hulk. Yeah, it, it was it was great. I, like I said, I think this is probably my favorite Marvel movie from this year. Mm-hmm. So um, Yeah, and that being said, as far as, and oh god, I'm so bad at the name, the rock monster, Korg, right? Korg, yes, Korg. Like the piano um, He is extremely different in this movie than he is in, in the comics. In is like he a pl- comic character? He's in he Planet Hulk. Hulk. Okay. He's actually in Planet Hulk. He is one was. of the gladiators. He's very different. Um, so if you're expecting him to be his counterpart in the comic, just don't. Just go He's in. Korg in name only. Yes, exactly. Name and look. <laughs> but he is absolutely fantastic. Like, easily... He he almost stole the whole show, the whole movie. He really he was did. Anytime so he showed good. up on screen, it was great. He was so funny. <laughs> I don't think there was a moment he showed up on screen. I didn't have a smile on my face. Yeah. Like, the minute he showed up, uh, I I was like, okay, I'm I'm into this. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So, but yeah, like with this movie, especially since it's borrowing a lot of references from a ton of other either runs or titles, just just go in to have fun. Really, honestly, like don't don't expect this to be perfect to a comic book. They clearly saw the Thor franchise was the weakest of them all. Obviously, the Hulk was probably the weakest, weakest of them all. So they're like, you know what? Two negatives make a positive. Yeah, exactly. Let's have fun with this movie. Let's just take these characters, give them a lot of heart that they already have within them. They just haven't gotten a chance to shine. Just let them shine. That's this movie and, in and a again, nutshell. I, I don't think this is necessarily getting into spoilers, but they they embraced the weirdness of the Thor comics. Yeah. Where the other two just 
they threw Thor on Earth. And in the first one, that worked because he's never been mm-hmm. to modern day Earth. And Very much he, a, does, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And a it, fish it, out of water story. It's a story. fish out of water yep. story. The, the second Thor, they, they try to have their cake and eat it too. They try to play up some of the weirdness, but then it becomes... Jane Foster needs to get rescued, and we're going to hang out with her wacky sidekicks that no one really cares about. Yeah, pretty much. So, I so think... I'm so glad that they didn't really have any of that in this. Yeah, so I, I definitely give it a must-see. Oh, uh, an absolute. Um, I was trying to think of it. because Now, mind you, I'm, I'm a little behind in my Marvel movies. This is an absolute sin, but I still haven't gotten around to seeing Spider-Man Homecoming, which is just killing me on the inside, because I have been waiting for... Spider-Man movie that hasn't been terrible for a few years now. Homecoming was um, really good. Um, solid, I've heard. Like, yeah, if if we hadn't just had the Andrew Garfield movies, I think it would have been a lot better. Or yeah, would have been perceived a lot better. It, it, yeah, and that's that's a lot of just reboot fatigue and stuff like that. Exactly. He's just in it too much. To be fair, that's with the comics too. God, there's a new Spider-Man every week, like a new title, I should say. But, um, so I can't make an official, like, top five favorite Marvel movies, but my That's God. That's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my God, this is definitely, as of right now, with the movies I haven't seen, this is easily, like, like my top three or four. Like, I loved this. This was fantastic. And I was just hooping and hollering in that theater. <laughs> it, it definitely was not the laughs per minute movie that some of the, the reviews that I had seen mm-hmm. were making it out to be. So, like, Casey. I was... I was getting a little worried because I'm like, this isn't like as humorous or like slapping. They had their downtime, but to me, I thought it was perfectly paced, perfectly edited. Because like to me, Guardians 2 was one of those where they were trying to put a joke in almost every line of dialogue kind of thing. Some of them worked, some of them fell flat. But the problem with a nonstop comedy is you get fatigued really quickly. Um, You have to have breaks in order to make the jokes feel more of an impact. That's like this. This was just, just to kind of add on to, uh, for example, my nephew wasn't sure if he was going to see this because he's going through a lot of superhero fatigue as well. Understandable. Like if it weren't for the fact that superheroes are pretty much the only thing keeping me breathing every day I wake up, I'd, I'm a little fatigued as well. However, this is so like, it's to me, it's Okay, so I'm a really big Edgar Wright fan. I love, like, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. That's not... To me, those aren't comedy movies. That It is a uh, cop drama action movie that's extremely hilarious. Yes. Or a zombie apocalypse movie that is extremely hilarious. This, to me, is a, almost a reverse of it. But to me, it is a comedy that happens to be a huge budget, huge universe superhero movie. Um, it fits perfectly within the universe, so it's not to say that it's like a black sheep of the Marvel universe, but it is just so well written, so well edited. The editing was just freaking fantastic. And just the pacing and the jokes, like you can watch this movie really without knowing too much of what has been going on and still just laugh with it. It's yeah, just definitely. so good. So if, if even if you're just a little fatigued, if you're looking for just a really fun comedy, now of course it's superhero, it's in space, it's going to be, it's going to be wacky as far as its setting and it's so you know suspension of disbelief kind of thing. But just have in fun. In a superhero with it. movie, yeah. never. What? Oh. I subscribe to the Zack Snyder school <laughs> of superheroes. Yeah. We can't have fun in all superhero movies. <laughs> we need to be grounded, damn it. Yeah, yeah. realism. <laughs> 
Um, but just have fun with this. Go in with no expectations. Don't even watch like clips online. Just go watch this. This is so good. Yeah, even um, even the clips they've released don't really give too much away. Like the like you said, all the trailers basically lead up through the second act. There's not much of the third act that is revealed in the trailers. Which I really appreciated uh, a lot. Um, sorry, I had to kind of throw that on there because, you know, uh, I understand the superhero fatigue. Now that I'm done sucking marbles, Dirk, let's get into spoilers. <laughs> All right, spoilers. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even know where to begin because, I mean, story-wise, you kind of have... I don't want to call it your typical, but, you know, uh, Hela comes back. She is the daughter, the firstborn daughter, well, uh, firstborn, firstborn period of Odin. He has kept her locked away for billions and billions of years or whenever. Just a millennia. Yeah, a good yeah. millennia. And uh, Odin ends up not being able to hold her back anymore. Because and I That's the one thing that in the movie that I think was not left at as clear but i think it's it's kind of implied that because he's been away from asgard for so long and the 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 world Mm -hmm. idrisil the world tree um that his power is drained that's that's yeah that was kind of mine is it just felt like that they could only pay anthony hopkins for one day so they had him there and they kind of rushed it like okay my time's up goodbye yeah, and then they had but to do the, later the on in the scenes. movie, I'm pretty sure there was a line where like Thor's blaming Loki's like this is your fault, like he couldn't do this anymore. So it gave a very subtle implication that hey, since he's been on Earth and not on Asgard, he kind of lost his godship almost, you know, and, and powers and just his will. Mm. Plus, he's older stuff and like he, that. He but he wasn't able to take his Odin sleep. Yes, exactly. So. It was definitely not clear. They could have even had just one little line of dialogue of him just going like, I've been away too long. I can't do this anymore. I'm not the I'm not the god I used to be. Even something as, as simple as that. He didn't have yeah. to go, well, because I didn't go into Odin sleep and because I've been gone for this many two months. Years, yeah, years, I'd say, like yeah, uh, two years. Yeah, I'd say about it that. It depends on the timeline because Thor the Dark World happened, I would say probably at least. They, they said that Loki did... The, the attack on New York a year after Thor The Dark World came out. So I would assume Age of Ultron happens somewhere within that year mm-hmm. after Thor The Dark World. So yeah, it's probably been about two years. Yeah, they say in the movie that it's been two years. Yes, exactly. It's been two years since the um, Sokovia incident. They could have done a little bit more to imply it. Uh, the thing I really appreciate about the movie is the first act, it could have very easily been very underwritten and just like really quickly paced as far as like oh well uh gotta explain this get to it gotta explain this get to it get to it come on blah 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 blah. so it could have felt really rushed and not paced out very well but surprisingly other than maybe a couple lines of dialogues that i feel like they could have thrown in there i was okay with everything moving really fast for the first act it felt fine uh because this movie after I was done seeing it, I watched a couple interviews, you know, with the director and cast and stuff. And one thing that's very apparent, this is what I wanted to say earlier, but I didn't even want to say it. One thing that was very apparent, and the director even said, was while they were, uh, like, writing and directing the movie and going over it, they were like, okay, so we're having this scene. We've seen this scene in many other superhero films, many other films before. What is everybody expecting? This? Let's do the opposite. Or let's just take a complete, like... 90 degree turn in a completely different direction you can tell as far as just almost everything in this you had a couple like predictable jokes here and there but they worked just about everything that happened took me off guard yeah uh, i loved that 
the, the opening scene where Thor is sitting there just talking to the skeleton in his cage. Yeah. And he's just like, that's where I met you. And he, like, he drops his jaw. Yeah. Literally. And then uh, Searcher has him drop down, which is the thing we see in the trailer. And he, he sees him. He's like, Thor, son of Odin. And then Thor sees Searcher. He's like, Searcher, son of a bitch it's just like that that sets up your entire tone for the movie yeah. right there yeah because you've got this goofy thor who is hip with the lingo yep. and he he's just he's out having fun while also trying to and save it, the it never feels forced like he never does he never says a joke that feels dated and it never feels mm-hmm. even though like his original movie was a fish out of water he still he never quite feels like that anymore he just feels like Thor now like yeah. he feels like himself it doesn't feel like they're trying to put on any gimmick to him they just feel like hey we finally kind of figured out your character let's have fun with it same for like Bruce and um and Hulk in the movie too again I'm a big Hulk fan my only little nitpick was he acted a little bit too much like a giggly five-year-old at a couple parts um like the part where Thor's like dude you we have to go we have to save Asgard and he's like no Hulk stay Hulk stay and you know they're kind of fighting and he's like fine you go you go leave Hulk and he smacks into the barrier that you can't see like the invisible barrier and Hulk literally just goes like ha 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 like oh fat man fall down kind of thing and and I get it it's Hulk like I but it could have been played a little bit more this sounds weird, but it could have been played a little bit more like he's an adult Hulk rather than like a five-year-old child laughing at Fat Man Fall Down funny joke kind of thing. Well, I know they did come out and say that this Hulk has been the Hulk for the last two years, which is why he's able to speak. And mm-hmm. he, he basically has the demeanor of about a two-year-old. Yeah. He obviously has a little bit better and I guess that makes sense. I didn't really think about that, too. So if you take it for he's been learning kind of figuring himself out the past couple exactly. years, he's going to be a little bit more infant infantile infantile yeah because you figure Um, if if nothing else he's been the hulk for maybe at most a day in in any given stretch in this one he's been the hulk for two years and he's had control and i thought that was kind of cool i obviously we don't get any real closure to this line but uh when banner was talking about how he can't become the hulk again because the last time it happened it it basically was like the hulk slammed him in the trunk where Mm -hmm. in the past was like they both had a hand on the wheel like a partnership yeah and now if he turns back into the hulk he might not come back Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of a cool idea they actually use that reference in the amadeus cho uh hulk run uh that's been going on for the past couple years cho is driving and hulk's kind of like leering yeah either in the trunk or like you see his reflection like the mirrors or something like Mm kind of getting closer or just like being more of an ominous presence so i don't know if that was a direct the current thrower yeah or if it's and i mean even without it it's exactly it's a exactly but i just thought again that was kind of one of the easter eggs that whether it's me stretching and pulling from or it just happened to line up that was something i kind of caught and just you know it felt like even though this one this movie kind of took its own spin and just decided to be goofy they still have a lot of they definitely stick to the source material as far as the heart like the Easter eggs and things like that. Well, you know, while characters might act slightly differently or, well, that doesn't make sense. That character shouldn't be on this planet. Mm. It still feels like, okay, well, cool. Well, this is a different universe, but hey, it, you know, we have Valkyrie. We have um, the Grandmaster and, oh my God, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> this is the best Jeff Gold- oh, Goldblum. Uh, it's Jeff Goldblum um, cast as Space Jeff Goldblum. 
perfect casting in my opinion uh it was fantastic i i tagged one of my friends on facebook who's a huge jeff goldblum fan i'm like hey man if you want to see the best jeff goldblum impression impression go see this movie he's like i love you (laughs) i have nothing bad to say about jeff goldblum it was it was great i I loved him like being dj grandmaster for a little while too but yeah no um I, i love the scene too where uh he i think Thor like interrupts him or something or corrects him because he keeps calling it Asgard or Asperger's or something. Yeah. <laughs> and Thor just calls it Asgard and uh, his his right hand man or right hand woman hands him the melting stick. He's like, he just interrupted me. Why would I yeah. want to melt him? Like, he calm down. Yeah, right? <laughs> He's not like a vengeful person. He's just... He, he gets it. Yeah, you just interrupted me. There's no big deal for that. No, that was and, funny. Yeah, and she's she's just very much like you disrespected him. You, you yeah. Died. Well, He's and like, again, whoa, 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 to whoa, me whoa. that felt like a good um, like again like a 180 turn. Uh, like oh, you're expecting him to be don't interrupt me. Like maybe him to be kind of showing how empowering and how scary he can be. But no, he's just like, what are you doing? Why are you overreacting? What are you doing? Stop it! I'm just talking to him. I'll let you know if I need that. But yeah, I I enjoyed that a lot. One aspect, this might be my favorite Marvel movie villain, Hela. Oh, okay, for one, she's so gosh dang beautiful. She's so pretty. I'd follow her in a heartbeat. <laughs> she's super badass, super funny. Like, she's, the thing I loved about her is these are all, like, Norse mythology people. So I expect them to be a little, like, Hamlet hammy, you know, very kind of, and at first when she comes out, she's very overreacting and very dramatic. But there's a couple times where she's being dramatic and nobody takes her seriously. She's like, did you just hear what I said? Seriously, like, I'm, I'm a badass bitch. Like, be scared of me. I can down all of you guys. There's one part and I just, like, she's so cool. I, I wish I could, like, just had the money to cosplay her and just walk around as her all day long. One of my favorite parts, and it's super subtle, but when they're on the, like, the Rainbow Bridge at the, towards the end of the movie for, like, kind of one of the bigger yeah, fight the scenes, big fight scene. she starts walking towards them. She has the most awesome, badass, villainous walk I've ever seen. She reminds me of, like, Maleficent almost. You know what I mean? Like a very, very like scary looking and and you know she can, it it will not take much for her to kill you. She starts walking and I don't know how to explain it, but she's walking down. I can't remember if she, she either had her swords in her hand or something like that, but she had her arms extended, but her hips swaying. She almost looked like a, if a snake could walk. And it was like, it was super cool looking. Like it was really sexy, but it was also just like, I was kind of scared. I was like, oh God, she, she knows that she's coming for him. Like I said, it is like a snake could walk and, and that snake is about to strike. She was just cool. I liked her. Yeah, and <laughs> she's, she's part of one of my biggest gripes of the movie is um, she took out Fandral and Volstag in no time at all. Like they, they didn't even need to get like, I think it was Ray Stevens and uh, Zachary Levi came back for these roles. That's true. Zachary Levi didn't even get a line. Like, he shows up and he just gets a surprised look on his face like, who's this? Oh, I have a knife in my heart. I'm dead. See, I believe that she could take... And I, okay. I, I'm not I'm not denying that she could. Oh, no, no, no. you're not expecting Here's it. my... I, I think... And I, I kind of understand you there. I believe wholeheartedly she could do it that easily, especially with her being back on Asgard. However... I feel like that was definitely a mistake of either editing or the director, maybe, because they just, um, that it was all still part of Act One. So mm-hmm. I feel like they were like, okay, we got to cut, just kill him. But the fact that you had the third warrior 
who had this badass battle with her. Exactly. And and it shows that they could they could stand up to her. Obviously, um, we're in the spoilers category, but he is defeated. So he doesn't make it. He's defeated. So, yes, she overpowers him. But, I mean, you all three easily, warriors are just as strong as the last. If so, you wanted to show off how badass she is, you have two grunts that are, like, not expecting her get killed in there. Don't make Fandral and Bolstag your grunts. We've never actually seen the Warriors 3 fight together in the Thor movies. Yeah. They've always just kind of been side characters, goofy characters. Well, I guess we've technically seen them fight at the very beginning of the first Thor. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Asgard, Midgard, As- Asperger Guard. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn it! I can't remember the name of the. Uh... Time to cheese. I guess. Uh. <laughs> if my phone will work. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll just edit it yeah. so it sounds like you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, 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 Utgard? No. Jotunheim? Jotunheim, yes. Jotunheim. God, I, yeah, no, I... It's like the only one, it's the only one that's not a guard or a heim. Yeah. Well, it's Jotunheim, yeah. That's how bad I am with, like, Thor, Thor uh, mythos. I botched the shit out of that. But don't worry, that's being edited out. So continue <laughs> as if you know what you're know, talking about. I feel like about. we should just waste everyone's time and leave that in now. <laughs> um, so yeah, Jotunheim. We, we saw them fight together on Jotunheim. Uh, but that was a, like a, a five-minute sequence that was basically just meant to show how impatient Thor is. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't since, showcasing on the Warriors. Since then, three. we get like a brief moment. I think on Svartalheim in Thor two, where uh, Thor takes on the Korg, and they're like taking care of everything before Thor goes back to Earth to find Jane. But you you could have easily established how badass uh, Hela is. By having her take on all three warriors, three at oh, once. Oh, that would have been a really cool fight sequence because that would have been so like well I mean, choreographed. Scene anyway. Where there was a movie I just recently saw, or maybe a show or something, where it was similar to that. It was like one person fighting off two or three. Oh, I can't think of what it was, but it was cool and whatever I saw it in. Yeah, was... and I, but I mean, I just would have loved to have seen a little bit more of those three characters. Well, I feel bad for them. They had to put on all that makeup and armor. And, yeah. Nothing. I mean, Ray, Ray Stevens had to put on the fat suit for Volstag. Um, <laughs> Zachary Levi had to put on the wig for, for Fandral. And yeah. Get all Robin Hooded up and then he just gets a knife in the heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I personally, I think I blame that on the... It's the just fact quick, they wanted to blow through to get, Act One. Yeah, and they wanted but to get Thor a new. I agree team. with you. I think if it were a fact that she would literally just kill them all three all at once and just be like, "I'm done with you," then that would just be it would suck. But it would just show like, "Hey, like, ooh, she's a force to be reckoned with." But the fact that they did just two and then they're like, they gave one of the guys a badass fight, even if they could only afford or they had the time to shoot one person fighting, they could have at least given a little bit more of an honorable death to the other two yeah we're have them do something more than just stand around especially since they're not just like i said they're not lackeys they're they're like, the warriors three yeah they're and like the three greatest warriors on asgard yeah and, after thor and sif which yeah. sif is missing but yeah i think that's more of a scheduling conflict she had a date with beta ray bill or something <laughs> yeah uh one thing i did want to talk about really quickly is the uh play that loki odin had commissioned <laughs> in his honor Along with the statue. So, so great. I don't know if you looked up the cast of this. Thor was played by one Luke Hemsworth, the youngest Hemsworth brother of Chris and Liam. Oh my god. Chris, better known as Thor. Oh my god. Which is why he looked very much yeah. like Thor. Uh, Matt Damon was Loki, which you can you can kind of pick out Matt Damon. Yeah. 
And then Sam Neill was Odin. Uh, for those of you that don't know Sam Neill, he is Dr. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. Oh my God. Oh, wow. I want to go see this movie again. There's I, so many I really want to go see this movie again. I might drag myself my next day off, go see a, a matinee or something. Because mm-hmm. I really, I want to go see it knowing everything I know and then trying to pick up on more. The play was great because it, it plays out Loki's quote unquote death scene in Thor <laughs> Dark World. Yeah. It, it's it's great because you can tell Anthony Hopkins is having fun being Loki and yeah. just playing up the cheese. Oh, I loved it when Thor showed up and literally you just hear him go, he just turns around and goes, oh shit. Yep, that was great. <laughs> it's like, oh, Thor, you're back. Cool, buddy. Oh, my yeah. son. Yes, welcome yeah. home. Cough, cough. <laughs> that was a really cool scene, too. Um, when Thor throws his hammer and then just grabs him by the head, and he's like, you know nothing can stop this hammer from returning my hand, right? So... It was uh, a great game of chicken. Yep, yep, yep. And, and and Thor knew, like, instantly. And I like how they didn't play it up. They didn't be like, oh, my God, big reveal. It's like, we know. Thor knows. Just Yeah, just... We don't need a big reveal yep. for the, the audience of Asgard. Yeah, um, exactly. Speaking of the hammer, I wanted to get back to the, the searcher scene really quick. Uh, I think that was some of the best, if not the best, Mjolnir action we got. And maybe the very last Mjolnir yeah. action we got yeah. is that scene, that, that fight in um, Muspelheim, with the home of Surtur, where uh, he fights on all of Surtur's faceless minions. But you just see... Mjolnir, like, fight, just how he can manipulate Mjolnir. Yeah. Is, it was so cool. It was really cool because you could see, like, this is going to sound weird, so I apologize if it doesn't make sense, but you can see, like, the gravity that something of that might and heaviness has. Like, in instances that it would, like, stop, it wouldn't just stop, like, freeze frame. It would actually kind of go, like, forward and then slightly back and then it like very mm-hmm. subtle but it, it it felt like it was weighted to be the heaviest thing in the entire universe that only like those who are worthy can lift yeah, you when know that, when the dragon shows up and it's oh. trying to eat thorny just drops the hammer oh i love oh, that i love that that was so funny um just drops that in his lower jaw and the dragon's like ah dude oh man <laughs> dude come on uh i want an action figure of that dragon Holy smokes, that dragon was freaking cool looking. Yeah. R.I.P. dragon. (laughs) In a great scene. We kind of talked about this too. Uh, This is getting towards the end-ish of the movie. There's, uh, you brought it up earlier. There's a moment in the scene, or in the movie, where Bruce is saying like, dude, like, I cannot. Well, Thor's trying to be like, hey, Bruce, you need to turn into the Hulk so you can help me protect Asgard. He's like, no, dude, F that. Like, I've been the Hulk for two years and I don't remember, like, any of it. He's like, if I turn into the Hulk again, this may be it for me. There might not be Bruce anymore. To me, that made me think of Hulk the End. Um, I don't know if you read that one shot or not. So, apologies if you didn't want this spoiled for you or anybody who doesn't want it spoiled. You know, just skip a minute or two ahead. But one of my favorite uh, Hulk comics it's just a one shot uh, essentially uh, some sort of apocalypse happened everyone on earth pretty much died any survivors that were there either had like radiation poisoning and died or just you know died over the years of starvation or just whatever and the only living creature left on earth is bruce banner slash the hulk bruce by this time he's an old 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 man on his last leg all he wants to do is die and if you know anything about the hulk he would not let that happen for as much as he hates Bruce Banner, he needs him to live. So, like, Bruce will try to throw himself off a cliff or anything like that, and he'll transform into the Hulk, you know, without his control, and Hulk gets mad. Um, at the very end of that comic, Bruce Banner 
is just dreaming about all the people he misses, like Betsy, Betty, Bet, Betty, Betty, Betsy, um, <clears throat> Jennifer. Um, uh, oh, what's his friend's name? God, why am I blanking? Um, his little cowboy friend. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Oh my he god, he played a big role in Secret Empire. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name right now. Oh my god, he was. Uh, he was. Didn't he become a, like a Hulk for a little while too? I believe so. In the comics, he became Hulk for a little while. Um, well, heck, he even in his hallucinations, he even Rick. sees Rick. Thank you, Rick. Rick. I can't remember his last name, but it's um, Rick. He even, you know, he sees everybody that was ever close to him, and he's just about to pass away from a heart attack. And the Hulk's like, "No, f you," and transforms into the Hulk. At that moment, he feels Bruce Banner basically die inside of him, and of course, Hulk. Uh, you know, starts gloating. He's like, yes, I am officially, like, the only person left. I can finally be left alone. I don't have Bruce Banner to nag me. I am the strongest creature on this planet. And literally, just moments after saying that, he's sitting, like, on the rock, um, just kind of looking off in the distance. He's like, oh my god, being alone feels really cold. I don't like it. You know, he kind of has this, like, epiphany of, oh, this kind of sucks. It ends on that note because you know it's the Hulk. His ego will never let him transform back into Banner to die. Because what's the Hulk's like one is one goal in life is to be the strongest living creature on the planet. And that means living forever because he doesn't want anybody else coming around and being stronger than him. So you get that feeling of he's stuck as the Hulk all alone and he's finally understanding what loneliness means. But his ego will most likely never let him transform into Banner and give up life. It's a really freaking sad, bittersweet, and not even bittersweet, just sad ending. So when Bruce drops that line in the movie, I was like, oh my god. Are they throwing a little bit of, like, the end in there, too? And at the end of the movie... Uh, Hela, through the movie, Hela ends up summoning an army of the dead or reviving an army of the dead, including her giant wolf, Fenris. And at that point, you see Fenris is on like the rainbow bridge and charging at people. And everybody, of course, is like, oh God, there's nobody here strong enough to stop him. We're all going to die. So Bruce kind of has this moment of, I know what's strong enough to stop him. And, you know, through the whole movie, they're playing up that, oh, man, Valkyrie, you look familiar. I feel like I know you, even though she's never met him before. Well, she she knows the Hulk. And he's just like, look, I know who you probably know who I am or you'll you'll know who I am shortly here enough. So he kind of does this like grace fall out of the spaceship that they're in going down towards the bridge. Well, I laughed my ass off at this. It was a good moment. Because, again, the director said, what have we seen in every movie? Let's do the opposite of that. You're expecting Bruce to, you know, fall through. He transforms into the Hulk, slams down on that bridge, and, like, look Fenris in the eyes. Like, okay, buddy, it's you and me, the big green guy. He just fucking, like, just smacks into the bridge. You see his bones explode. Like, he's not getting up from that. And it even zooms in on his face, and his eyes are rolling back in his body, like, limp as a ragdoll. And you're like, oh, my God. I just watched one of my favorite comic book characters just die in front of me, and I'm laughing my butt off. Um, of course, as uh, Fenris is about to like charge at the survivors, you see Hulk grab by the tail and, and start uh, everything. So, for one, did I literally... like They played it as laughs, and it was really funny and unexpected, but did I seriously just watch Bruce Banner die? Is it this at the point where if he transforms back into Bruce, literally every bone in his body is going to be disintegrated, and he's going to have internal bleeding, and he dies? Like, is this my The Hulk moment? 
I was hoping for it to be a little more dramatic. You know, like maybe have him flashback to, you know, Natasha or something like that. And he's like, goodbye. Kind of having his final internal moments of goodbye because Bruce said he might never come back. This is him literally sacrificing his life to never come back. <laughs> I, I think we get science bros. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of one of my favorite YouTube channels and podcasts, uh, Mr. Sunday Movies, does uh, Easter egg movies for all of these uh, superhero movies. He believes that the the scene that you're talking about where he does the belly flop on the bridge is a reference to the moment in The Incredible Hulk, which is similar where Edward Norton's character he falls, falls out, out of the yeah he's like, he's like I'm gonna turn into the Hulk I'm gonna turn into the Hulk and then you you have a close up on his face he's like oh shit. shit yeah and then he plummets and creates like a small crater in the middle of uh, Broadway but he ends up he rising as, as the Hulk, Hulk. okay and yeah so that's think, true I think that's what they're going making for, fun of that the 180 from well that. they did they did another reference in the movie too from Avengers with the Loki smash yes they did that with Thor yes, that's oh, how that feels that was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie yeah Loki is just like yeah that's how it feels oh like and it's so funny because throughout the whole scene as soon as he sees the Hulk he's like Oh God! I need to go. I need, I need to planet. go, and then that happens, and you feel like that's the one moment. He's like, "I'm glad I didn't go. That was worth it." Getting but, back to the, the, yeah. the Planet Hulk stuff, we need to talk about Korg for a few yes, minutes. Yes, yes. Um, Korg, as, as we mentioned before, voiced by Taika Waititi, based on the Planet Hulk character. Um, not necessarily based on, but in reference to. Yes, yeah. <laughs> in reference and name only. Oh my God, this guy! Um, I I've been thinking about it since we saw the movie Thursday night, and. I, I feel like he has to exist in the same kind of thought process as the Cars universe because you just can't think of how he, how certain things work for him because like in the Cars universe, you know, what do they eat? What if, if they're cars and they need oil changes, oil their blood is gas to their blood, but they have to fill up on gas. Those sort of things like you're just not yeah. going to think about. And like the very first thing you, you meet with Korg, he's like, hi, I'm Korg. I'm a giant rock man. This is Meek. He's got blades for hands uh hopefully you're not made of paper just a little rock paper scissors joke there for you how does a korg or how does a cronin know about the game rock paper scissors hey man the thing is (laughs) timeless (laughs) oh dude he's got the most adorable like kiwi accent too like Mm. he's so oh my god like he just plays up and and it's funny because you see him and he's yeah this giant rock monster but he's so high-pitched he's like hey man how you doing let's do do this and that And and um, oh, my, one of my favorite tooths is like when he's introducing himself to Thor, he, you know, he's, I'm a giant rock monster, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden a rock just falls off and he goes, oh, well, there goes another one. <laughs> it's just like, he has all these little subtle things that he just kind of breaks in the middle of a sentence to say, and then goes right back to the sentence he was at. Mm-hmm. It just, I love and it. I, God, I need to see this again. <laughs> when Thor asks him, how did you end up here? He's like, oh, well, I, I tried to start a revolution, but I didn't print enough pamphlets. Uh, so the only people that showed up were my mom and uh, her boyfriend, who I hate. <laughs> and then he just kind of kept going on about how the revolution failed, like, from the beginning. Uh, it just, and he didn't come prepared. <laughs> my, I, I alluded to this earlier, and I just, I want to talk about it. Uh, I don't know why this is. I, I, I know why, but it's so stupid. My favorite Korg moment is when Loki shows up as an illusion in their little circular prison. And Thor's just in there chucking rocks through him. Yeah. And right. and at the end of their conversation, he disappears, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Korg shows up off screen from off screen, and just like piss off, ghost. And, <laughs> like, and there's nothing there anymore. He just there. starts kicking in the wall. <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, it's. I know why I love it because it's just so random, and you don't it's expect so it in that moment. Because at that moment, like Loki and Thor have had a little bit of a heart to heart because. 
mm-hmm. Thor has come out and said, you killed Odin by getting kicking him off Asgard and yeah. replacing him. And then all of a sudden, you just have Korg show up out of nowhere. Just, goes. Like, so he doesn't funny. know what Loki is doing. He yeah. doesn't know who Loki is. And he, he just sat there. Like my my The reason I, I love it so much is because <laughs> I, I just want to know, like, was he waiting in the wings for the ghost to disappear? Or did he see it? Like, yeah. and then, or was he, like, napping or plotting his revolution? And then he and looks then just up happened and to glance up, yeah. And then he's like, oh, God, a ghost. He's oh, like, and I, just I, missed. I can't remember what he says, too. But after, he's like, pissed off, goes and kicks a wall. Like, he just super casually, again, just, like, casually, like, nonchalantly just looks back at Thor and just says something or asks yeah. a question. He's like, what was that all about? Or something like that. <laughs> but it was just so funny because he's got so much passion of getting rid of this ghost. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, what? That's cool. What next, guys? Let's go. Let's and then go. when they're breaking out, Loki sees his little tag of revolutionaries. And yeah. Loki's like, you look like you could use a leader. And he's like, oh, hi. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And like, it's almost like an insult. He's like, wow, you guys look uh, kind of... You, you look, look like you, you look need stupid. something. You look stupid. I could lead you. Yeah, and it's like, that's oh, how thanks. he. Yeah, <laughs> like that's exactly how he, he doesn't say that exactly, but that's how he kind of says it. He's like, you guys look dumb. You look unorganized. Let me lead you because it's the least I can do. Yeah. And yeah, and he goes, why? Thank you. It's <laughs> so funny. Oh, I love him. So I don't remember if this was like. No, it wasn't post credits. It was right before the credits when. Oh, meat's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I like on the bridge. I, I like yelped in the theater. Like that <clears throat> took me off guard. I was laughing so hard. But yeah, he's just like a Thor. So Asgard's gone. Thor's like, all right, we need to find a new planet. And any he's like, and yeah, any suggestions? He's looking around. Where are you from? And then he's, and then oh, yeah, he's, dead. he's holding him. He's like, oh yeah, he no, he died. He got like trampled to death on the bridge, and I just I felt badly put him there. I didn't want to just leave him. And he's just <laughs> and oh my god, I was like, oh my god, like that's <laughs> I love morbid jokes. So like Bruce Banner basically just exploding into dust on the bridge, and then the that those were my two. I think those two got me the most. Like I and then just... Beak wakes up. He's like, oh, hey, he's alive, guys. Oh, dude, you are alive. <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah, and it's it's literally like that. He's just so positive. It wasn't like, oh, my God, you're alive in a big hug. He was just like, oh, you are alive. Good for you, mate. Good for you. I'm proud of you. It's just, God, it's he, so good. He steals good. every scene he's in. He does. He does. Um, speaking of scene stealers, uh, we would be remiss to not talk about Valkyrie a little bit. Personally, I didn't get anything from her character. Uh, I didn't. I didn't feel anything for her. I didn't. Uh, I, I read a review from the Mary Sue who said that she steals every scene she's in. Mm. I didn't really get that feeling. No, I, I was like fine with her. She did a good enough job. Like I, I felt like she felt she was a Sif. part of the scene. She was Sif, but not Sif. One of her friends, I believe, when the part where she's introduced and you see her take a big swig of space beer, space <laughs> vodka, and she's like about to be all commanding off the spaceship and she literally just falls over drunk. He kind of like went, what? Huh? Like, he, he didn't quite under... I, I got it. Like, I got it. She's, she's hammered. I liked how they did her back... Her uh, her scene. What do you call it? Her like backstory. Yeah. The, of watching all of the Valkyries die. Which, uh, again, I kind of noticed that the Valkyrie that sacrificed her life to protect her kind of looks like the actual comic book Valkyrie. Looks more like the comic book yeah, yeah. Valkyrie. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of, again, oh, intentional or not, I kind of noticed that and I was like, oh, hey. I thought, this, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a nice homage because I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there that are like, that's not my Valkyrie. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the thing is, is, is I wish that we got a name from her. We get her Junker name and it was just like, oh, Junker number 34275B um, when mm-hmm. she's on the planet. 
but literally they just call her Valkyrie, which I was kind of sad with because I'm like, Th- that's not her name, at least in the movie context. That he's just like, oh, you are a Valkyrie. Yeah. So I, I kind of wish that we had gotten like a name from her. I think they did say her name, but they oh, never they? like continually said yeah, it. Yeah, because the only time they they I didn't catch it at all. The only thing I caught was her Junker name. Yeah, her- and then when they reference her as just a Valkyrie, because I feel like that if he had been calling her, because obviously. She's like, I'm not a Valkyrie. I'm not anymore. I'm not an Asgardian. Like, I'm trying to drink my sorrows away and just wait till I'm dead on this planet. Like, that's how traumatized she is from it all. So I feel like if they had been calling her by her name or Valkyrie, and she's like, stop. My, you know, just call me. My name is this. Even if it was just like, not necessarily her junker name, but like, you know, an alias she went by. And then call at the Val. end, of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, she, because she embraced it by changing into the Valkyrie uniform. But I feel like it would have been a little bit more something if she's like, no, call me, call me Valkyrie. That's my, not, I'm not a Valkyrie. I'm the Valkyrie kind yeah, of thing. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, she's the last one. So it makes sense as far as that goes. She's the last one. She's the only Valkyrie left. But also she's embracing the tragedy that happened in her life. And she's embracing her yeah, heritage and, and I mean, stuff the actress who who played her did fine for yeah. what they wanted um i just the character and the what she ended up contributing to the movie didn't do much for me mm-hmm. and i mean i might be a little biased against it just because um someone in your row you were sitting in front in the row in front of me because of our group someone like a couple a few seats to your right uh got super excited when she saw the pegasus Pegasuses, Pegasus, Pegasi, Pegasi. Yeah. <laughs> um, she she like started clapping like, "Ooh, flying horses!" I can't stand it when people get like that giddy in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like if it's a laugh, yeah, I get it. But uh, like when I saw the Power Rangers movie, some guy like got really boisterous when Rita said, "Make my monster grow." <laughs> it, <yeah. laughs> I understood that reference. Yeah, I, I hate that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, it, it distracts me because you're making these big gyrating motions because you're so excited and giddy about something. Yeah, I'm like, I'm watching the movie and now all of a sudden you're doing something stupid that's making me watch you and taking uh-huh. away from the movie. So I, I think... Kind of just left a bad taste. Yeah, but I mean, I've seen mouth. that shot before in the trailers. So it's, yeah. it's not like I missed anything. But I'm just like, you've seen this in the trailers. Why are you getting so giddy? Yeah, and well, and kind of an odd thing to get like super giddy. Like, do you just like... Do you just like horsies? Apparently. I don't like, know. I mean... <laughs> I wasn't going to ask her after the movie. I mean, they uh, already established that she was a Valkyrie, so it wasn't like it was a Valkyrie reference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, look what they did. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. And you again, know? We, we've seen that quick shot of the, the, the Pegasi. The Charging Pegasus in. Yeah. In. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's not like it was a, a giant reveal. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's a sure. tangent that yeah. <laughs> doesn't really need to be <laughs> happening. Uh, but yeah, the character Valkyrie junker or whatever i liked her relationship with hulk slash banner it was kind of oh that was yeah where they, they just had that underlying they're like a big brother little sister yeah or even little brother big sister type little thing. brother big sister yeah because they were like they were like legitimately kind of throwing each other around you could tell they were using strength but not full strength <clears throat> but yeah no like she's like knocking into his ankle and he's falling over and he's like tossing over and stuff like that like it was cute i wish they had a little bit more of that because that one scene went so far as far as the character development i wish it just had a little bit more with them because then of course an ongoing joke throughout the the rest of the movie is she looks at bruce banner's like i feel like i know you and he looks at her he's like i feel like i know you too mm-hmm. you know so and it's just played up as like a joke and stuff but <clears throat> i wish that there was maybe just a scene or two more or even just a couple more dialogue exchanges or something between the two of them just being Another another character that uh, I was really happy to see Loki again, uh, but he was definitely not as charismatic 
as he had been in the previous three movies that he had shown up in, uh, which was fine because it wasn't his movie. It was yeah. It was basically just tying up the loose end of um, what happened at the end of the Dark World, and uh, I feel up- like. I, I feel like I didn't have too much... Uh, I, maybe it's because he literally just foresaw the person who's going to destroy his entire planet. He's kind of given up almost. And he's just like, cool, time to start a life elsewhere. Like, you know, he's, he's well, almost like that kid who's just... Rule. He wants to rule over something. Yeah. And, you know, he he has a, a, a character... Not necessarily a character-defining moment, but a character-defying moment where he actually shows up to help Thor. But in the end of it when we get to Avengers Infinity War, it's obviously not going to be tr- completely altruistic where uh, there's a moment where he's in Odin's vault and we see him stop in front of the Tesseract. Obviously, he took the Tesseract. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, spoiler for Infinity War, for those of you that have seen the leaked trailer, there's a, a quick shot of Loki handing the Tesseract over to Thanos. Oh yeah. So so, so obviously, I, he yeah, stopped he and took, took it. it at that point. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, there, there really wasn't a lot... Loki didn't take over the show like he kind of did in The Dark World. I was okay with that, though, because Tom Hiddleston is a fantastic actor. He's so charismatic. He's he's a beautiful man. Like, he's got the best smile. He is the he perfect does. guy to That's play Loki. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, like, just as far as a fan favorite goes, I know so many girls and guys that are just swooning over him. So, it was kind of nice to see him take... He is not Thor. It is not called Loki Ragnarok. Like, it is Thor Ragnarok. It was kind of nice to see him take a back seat. He's still like a main character and he's still in it. And he's, he's still a, he's prevalent. He's a very, very high ranking supporting character. Yeah, definitely. So like, don't, don't worry. If you're going to see this for Loki, you're going to get, you're going to get good Loki moments and he's in it. Well, a good half of the movie or oh, more. Yeah. Like he's in it a lot. I, I love but... this line when they're in, in Doctor Strange's sanctum, uh, when he, <laughs> he throws him, Doctor Strange throws him through one of their keyholes or whatever he and Thor play out that scene that's at the end of Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange opens up a, a portal to Norway to um, send them to go find Odin. And he, Thor stops for something. He's like, oh, my brother. And he goes, oh, right, oh, right, oh right. yeah. And he opens up a hole and Loki just slams on the floor because he opens the portal like eight feet off the ground, yep. face down. And he's like, I've been falling for 30 minutes. <laughs> that was so... I, oh, man, that's so funny. Just and he's like, oh, what? You think you're a big magic man? What? I'm going to take you on. So he starts charging. And then Dr. Strange just kind of rolls his eyes and throws him. Yeah. Like zips him through the Norway portal. And he just ends up slamming into the ground there too. He's like, peace out, dude. (laughs) No, I'm using this as a transition as well. Because um, I think this was a very very big missed opportunity. uh, But maybe it was intentional. When they're sitting with Odin in the very badly green screened Norway. um, See, now... I know it, it looked kind of green screen to me too, but when they're when they're on the when they're looking out from the cliff, that uh-huh. is clearly like really bad, like nineteen eighties green screen. Well, see green now, because uh, I've seen movies where they actually are on location and film, but the way that they film with the cameras and the colors, it always looks really fake. But it has been real, so it, it did look really green screen. But it's kind of fooling me into thinking it's just one of those types of shots. I could be wrong. It's, like it's very possible. I yeah, got it because I know they they did change the setting because they did have a subplot. That's of right. Homeless Odin. That's right. And in, in, in the, like the New York or something. Trailer, you see hella break. That's right. In the, so in yeah, the it's probably green screen. Then I just like I I only stick up for it because I've seen movies where it looks oh, really yeah. fake, but it turns out it's actually on location and it's actual scenery. So mm. I mean. I, I'm I'm not completely defending it, but that makes sense because that's right. It was in a different location. 
Yeah, originally. Uh, and which that, that kind of took me out of it. It's like, wow, they're really going with the 80s uh, graphics here. Because, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a big budget movie. There's going to be some scenes that don't get the love and attention that others do. Cause yeah. The money shot in the, the entire movie is the Hulk Thor fight. That's yeah. where it looks oh, the best. Yeah. Um, but going back to the scene in Norway, you have Thor and Loki, and Odin is clear, and he's he's in his basically on his deathbed, uh, but he's fine and dandy. He's just waiting to disintegrate into Asgardian dust. Um, <laughs> but he's sitting with Loki on his left and Thor on his right, and he's just like, my sons, and he's, he's talking with them with, with no grief, no anger. He's just talking with them, having a moment with them. And I feel like... Even just a hand on the shoulder of Loki would have gone a long way just to kind of show that he never had any ill will towards Loki. Yeah. And it could have been a really good character moment for Loki as well. Right, because he's always kind of resented Odin as, for since he many found out that he was adopted. Yeah, yeah. for many, many uh, yeah, for just reasons upon reasons. Mostly the adoption thing, but also like, you know, just whatever. Oh, you always like Thor better. Oh well, you you know, you never looked at me as an equal and blah blah blah. No, I agree. Like something just a little bit because then that way that would have gone good for Loki too because it is kind of Loki's fault that Odin died. Yeah. You know, even if it's kind of an indirect way of throwing him off of Asgard and putting him in a, just in a nursing home. But it, it's a it's a very but, minor thing. It, yeah. It doesn't change the concept of the movie. It doesn't oh, yeah. change Loki. It doesn't do anything. They, I, and they bring it up. I think it would have been a, a nice moment for, for Odin. And yeah. To have and they bring like it up that. a couple times that, Loki, this is your fault that, you know, dad is dead, blah, blah, blah. And you can tell it kind of sits on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But especially that, like, hand, like a hand gesture or something like that, or a shoulder pat or something, that would have just been maybe a little bit more of a kind of kick in the gut to loki mm-hmm. i've been like you know and i i think it would have played up hella's line when she first meets thor and loki what like the minute odin dies hella shows up through a a portal because i guess look uh, odin's can kind of like in the back of his mind keeping this uh gateway closed to prevent yeah. Hela from getting it's like back immediately to our universe yeah and um thor introduces himself and she's like you look like dad and then Loki says, maybe we can come to some sort of agreement. And he's like, you sound like him. Yeah. And I, again, that that would have just played up a little bit more. Because obviously Loki's going to have some kind of mannerisms or things that he's picked up from Odin. He, he knew him as his father. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it would have been a nice thing for Loki to maybe even just kind of be like, eh, thanks. You know? Yeah, right. But he it's Loki. He would never actually do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even, or even like a matter of like, well, you sound like him, and then he can kind of have that moment of like, God, what have I done? You know what I mean? Or, yeah, and that would have been good too. It, even it be like in a joke, or, or even just a very subtle <laughs> of him kind of like look down and just be like, well, God damn, way to rub it in, lady. You don't even know how much you're rubbing it in right now, but you're rubbing yeah. it in, <laughs> uh, salt into the wound. Um, kind of getting back to Hella though. Um, I really appreciated the the way the conclusion of the final fight. It wasn't the standard like beat him up. The villain does something to kind of destroy themselves. It it wasn't necessarily as clever as Doctor Strange's mm-hmm. finale, but it was it was a good character moment for Thor because he has to realize the the whole point of stopping Hela is to create Ragnarok. Yeah, and the one thing they thought they were preventing, they actually have to exactly. And uh, it was it was a execute. nice way to conclude that. Personally, I don't think Hela is dead, simply because of the trope of no body, no dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it would make sense, too, because, um, I don't know, she's the goddess of death. I don't feel like she would die near as easily. Well, And, and I mean, she survived away from Asgard for however many millennia. Yeah. Uh, she just draws more strength from Asgard. Yeah. So, now, uh, that being said, if she does manage to appear, whether it be in some other movie or in the Infinity Wars, maybe, maybe teaming up with 
Thanos or something, it would make sense for her to be a little weaker now that Asgard is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where she draws her power from. But she's a goddess of death. I would imagine just good old-fashioned killing kind of keeps her going, too. There's, there's a, a fan theory going around or speculation going around that uh, this universe, the MCU's version of death, will be Hela. That's what I've been hearing, too, because obviously... Is it Thanos just death his... or is it Lady Death? Like, I think I've heard Lady Death. Lady death. Like... But um, like Thanos totally goes to bone zone with Lady Death like all the time. He's like, "Hey, I like you, Death. You're you're kind of intriguing. Like, let's 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 be a couple." Uh, that's the whole reason he curses Deadpool too to mm-hmm. never die and blah blah blah. Death has a thing for the bad boy. In, yeah, in right. <laughs> well, he can never die, so he can't technically be with Death. Yep. And so, but that's that's kind of. I, I was reading that too. It would make sense because in that way you don't have to introduce a new character. You already have a character. She was such a cool villain and I, I loved her. I would totally love for her to come back. And if that's a way for the, if, the, if that's Marvel's excuse to keep her, especially her being like, do we even have any other female villains in the Marvel, the MCU? Um, I mean, if you count the TV universe, yes. Uh, but in the movie universe, you had Scarlet Witch, who was bad for a little while. But yeah, not but she really. was yeah, she was a heel face turn. They turned Whiplash. Whiplash has been a man and a woman. So, but Whiplash was a man in the MCU. You had some grunts in Doctor Strange who were women, but no like major villains. Because really, the only major villains I can think of, you have like Ultron. Thanos, who's... Oh, I guess... Well, no, because even, like, um, uh, uh, Nebula isn't really a bad guy. She's, she's kind of... Henchman. She henchman. Well, and she's even kind of neutral. Yeah, very anti-hero. She's very neutral, because she hates, obviously, the Guardians. She's also hates Thanos more. She's just yeah. kind of like a lone wolf syndrome. So, yeah, like, I don't know. It would just be really cool to have, a like, a really cool... Villainess. Yeah, villainess. Because I, I just... I feel like that if you're a bad guy, man or woman, you deserve to be punched in the face. <laughs> um, so it's just really cool to see her actually, like, she actually is in these fight scenes, like, attacking people. And she is really cool. Like, don't get me wrong. She's, like, killing people left and right without any, w- with ease. But, my God, the fight with her and Thor, he's, like, whamming into her face. Like, she's getting a good few wallops from him. And it's 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 good. It's a good fight. They don't play the trope of, like, oh, well, you can't. Mm, don't touch me because I'm a woman or, or they, anything they like do that. The, uh, or, how dare you hit the Catwoman joke from yeah. Batman 80 or uh, Batman Returns? I'm a woman. How could you? Yeah, exactly. Like, like well, I mean, the, they're on Asgard. They probably don't have those kind of exactly. Rules. Well, and, and the fact that they're gods too, like gods slash goddesses. The fact that she's a woman literally means nothing. She's mm-hmm. literally the god slash goddess of death. Gender means nothing. She's going to kill. She's going to get beat up, and she's going to murder everybody regardless of any connotation and everything like that. And that was actually kind of the only, one of the only jokes, because that's that's how I regard this universe. Like, there's literally, oh, you were born a goddess instead of a god? That doesn't matter. You're going to fight like a warrior. You're going to become someone, something, and be a badass. Like the Valkyries. There's a joke kind of in the middle of the movie when he first meets her as a uh, the Junker. Thor meets the Junker and finds out she's a an ex-Valkyrie. He's like, oh, you're a Valkyrie. That's really cool because I, I think it's kind of cool that we have like an all-woman warrior team on Asgard and stuff like that. And that felt like a very like Earth joke rather than an Asgard joke. To yeah. me, Asgard 
you fought and you were a warrior, no matter your chromosomes, no matter your gender well, I mean, it's or a big sex. Deal that Sif is uh, a, a leader of like the Warriors Three. I mean, yes, yeah, but I, it's. I think maybe that in the MCU it could be because of the fact that the Valkyries were all murdered. Yeah. Ago. Yeah. That was like the only joke that kind of well, but and again, that's my own personal interpretation. That's not to. It didn't feel like it was like a super over feminist joke or a, a, a like a attack against it. Just me personally, the way I view Asgard is that like everyone can be a badass if they try hard enough, you know. Because obviously you have your Asgardians yeah, that are no just like common standards. folk, yeah. But that one line, I was just like, well, I mean. That's, I mean, I, I, I get it, but that feels more like it'd be an Earth joke of like, oh, you know, I appreciate women warriors, especially an all-female team, wink, wink. But like to me, Asgard, I felt like it didn't matter. If you were born and you were capable, you got a spear in your hand and go to town. You're training now. You prove yourself. Yeah. Um, so the most important question that comes out of this is when does Korg get his own comic? <laughs> he gets a five-part miniseries. <laughs> oh, I... The the big question is one is it going to be ongoing or is it going to be a miniseries and two who writes it? Oh, uh, I I think uh, Chip Zdarsky would be prime for a, a book like that. Yeah, uh, he's can... he's got his plate a little full with Sex Criminals and Peter Parker, the Spectacular, spectacular Spider Man. Yeah. Thinking of another really good comedy writer, I can't remember her name. I think I think it's a woman who's writing it right now. Maybe I'm wrong. The person writing Squirrel Girl might be a, another one that would be a good one. Oh God, what's her name? She was. Or was it the author or the artist or, um, that was at C2E2 this past year? I almost got to meet her. I'm pulling up my comicsology right now. Yeah. I'm gonna take Ma'am. a little quick look. I'm usually pretty good as far as uh, like uh, authors go, but I'm blanking really bad. I really hope it's not under the unbeatable squirrel girl. <laughs> it is. Probably <sighs> is. Unbeatable squirrel girl for sure. Yep. It goes from <laughs> stray bullets to superior, so it's got to be the unbeatable squirrel girl. There you are. Written by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Erica Henderson. Yeah, she was, I believe she was at C2E2 this past year. Yeah, I think they would be a good team to, to tackle like a Korg book as well. But at the same time, I feel like when Korg was, when they were recording dialogue for Korg, they just kind of let Take a riff and just, I want to know how many outtakes he has with, yeah. with lines that they're like, that's okay, but it doesn't work here. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and we were talking about it too before we started filming is, um, they, they've come out and said that a, a huge portion of the movie was improv. In a lot of cases, you can always tell when something's... No, you can, you can tell when something's improv when it's not done right. I've seen countless movies where they just don't do it right. They follow the yes and thing, or they just completely shut it down and go, no, no, that's dumb. Well, I'm going to keep saying what I'm saying. Well, no, that's dumb. Well, I'm just going to keep saying what I'm saying. I've seen movies like that, and it's painful. It's painfully obvious. This one... There were a couple moments that you can tell weren't scripted, but I honestly, everything just was so well done and the pacing was really good and they played off each other so well. You could have easily fooled me in telling me that most of this was just really well written and they played it off well rather than just being simple improv. I, I would definitely say that because you're talking about like the improv stuff and how you can tell and uh, when it's good improv, you can't tell. I would go to say this is the Ghostbusters of the Marvel Universe, of the Marvel Universe movies. Because the original first Ghost, Ghostbusters. The original <laughs> Ghostbusters. Um, not Ghostbusters 2. See what I did there? I completely disregarded the <laughs> yeah. bad one that came out recently. <laughs> I see what you did there. Wow, look at you. <laughs> Which again, I have nothing. That's against, a problem. That's I have nothing problem. against that movie if they had done it 
well, but I don't care if it's an all-woman cast. I don't care if it's an all-male cast. It just needs to be good, and mm-hmm. this one was not good. Yeah, um, that's very true, though. The first Ghostbusters, shockingly a lot of improv that you can't tell. like 90 to 95% mm-hmm. of that script was just chucked, and they just improv a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And you, you would never be able to know. Mm-hmm. I would say that kind of falls into this category with Thor Ragnarok, where it a lot of it just... You don't. You couldn't tell. You, yeah. you wouldn't be able to easily tell if yeah. it was a screenplay or they just let Chris mm-hmm. Hemsworth go. Um, speaking of which, I really want to know if his uh, recap to the Hulk when they meet in the arena is improv or not. Because <laughs> kinda... I I love that line of dialogue. So so much has happened since I last saw you. Uh, I lost my hammer yesterday, so that's which still pretty like, fresh. Yeah, he's like, I lost my hammer, which was like. Yesterday. Yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. I really yeah. wish you would have mentioned the haircut, too, just because he was making oh, such a big yeah. deal about... Oh, my hair's gone. <laughs> I don't like it very much, but... <laughs> that was a good Stanley cameo, too. Mm-hmm. He was the barber who cut off Thor's hair. And then uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, the backstabbing that Thor did between Hulk and Banner, where <laughs> Hulk's like, I need Banner right yeah. now. I need, I need the math. I need the math. And he's like, no, no, Banner, you don't even like Hulk. And he's like, no, I love Hulk. I love Hulk more than I love Banner. Like, I'm not into the math and numbers and science and stuff. I like the smashy and the beat 'em up and like that's my thing, man. And then later on, when he's Bruce, he's like, dude, I need, I need, I need, I need, need Hulk. I we need, need to go Hulk. save Asgard. And he's like, you he's, just because you just like Hulk more? No, dude, like, numbers, man. Those are <laughs> awesome. I like you. Yeah, no, that was so, it was so funny. Hopefully someday Bruce and Hulk can just come to terms and they both realize that Thor's kind of an asshole. <laughs> just be like dude have you been <laughs> no i i can't praise this movie enough yeah, honestly any, anytime anyone says hey man now i'm just gonna just put a smile on it hey, hey man hey man <laughs> uh, oh my god i'm so, so glad i'm not in high school anymore that would get so annoying oh so god i yeah for sure and it, i mean it's it's the simplest thing and it I mean, maybe it's what people felt when they the Mary, I'm Mary Poppins y'all thing happened. Yeah, uh, I hated that line. Oh, I loved it. It was. I, funny. I think it's largely because I'm I don't like Michael Rooker. Oh no! So I, I just don't like him. I, oh. My first experience with him was uh, the asshole dad in Mallrats. Hmm. And so, like, ever since then, I'm just like, I don't like. Oh, that's a shame. I, I, to be fair though, like, I don't watch Walking Dead. Like, I. He, to me, he's um. always, he's always just Michael Rooker though. He, mm-hmm. He's not a he's a character actor. And to me, it's just a very annoying character. Uh, I, I just don't like it. He's shown up on the Twisted Tunes panels, uh, videos every now and then. Uh-huh. Uh, and the, the jokes that they play with him aren't funny. Like, they, they were doing a Star Wars one, and they're like, oh, Michael, you can be uh, R2-D2. Uh-huh. And he's like, I don't play robots, y'all. And just and then he like storms off acting like he's this big star, which is yeah. a joke. And I'm just like, it's not... Funny. Yeah. And, and then they, they have him come back the next year and they have him play another robot in another script that they're reading. And he's like, I told you, I don't play any goddamn robots. Uh-huh. And he storms off again. I'm like, that just wasted like 10 minutes of people's time uh-huh. for this panel that they were really excited to see. They're, yeah. They're there to see the voice actors, not Michael Rooker. And so that just kind of continues to play up why I don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can understand that. Luckily, I've, I've never really been exposed to him. So I liked him as Yondu. He's fine as so. Yondu, but again, in, in Guardians 2 is too much. They're then, playing up the data thing. And then, <laughs> and then the internet just blowing up about the, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah. Like, it's not that funny. <laughs> I it's, liked it. It's fine. It, I laughed too. And I then, just, I, like, I but, mean, I think it was just the fact that, because uh, I think what was the funniest part of it was the fact he's like, oh my God, you're like Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins, huh? Is he cool? 
yeah, he's cool. So like the fact yeah, he's like, that- oh, and he's just so excited. He's like, my adopted son looks up to me. That's yeah. how I, that's, but I mean, from I- your perspective, I understand, but I love that part because it's just so, my son is proud of me because I am this really uncool thing. And I, again, I think that, I think it's fine. I just didn't like that the internet and like, the it nerd, the nerd culture a dead just horse. like went and ran with it and like photoshopped <sighs> his face onto Mary Poppins that- posters and- <laughs> did all that sort of stuff I'm like, that's, that's not necessary. that's beating a dead horse that's fandoms for you unfortunately i think that might about wrap it up we've had some good laughs we've oh had my a, god we've had a really helter skelter recap of thor ragnarok oh geez yeah um, it's been a little it's, bit everywhere. It's, it's a lot of fun uh hopefully we'll get to have more fun with the justice league review i doubt it though personally <laughs> i i'm i'm keeping faith i'm keeping hope wonder Woman is good i'm hoping that this is at least Close to good as Wonder Woman. <laughs> I just want, if it's fun, even if it's fun bad, I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. Oh, that was another movie. Uh, I'm trying to wrap up here. Uh, we're, you're, we're talking about like even bad movies. You can just tell when they're having fun. I wanted to bring up Batman and Robin because Arnold Schwarzenegger, you oh, can yeah. tell, like that was the most fun Arnold Schwarzenegger ever had in a, in a job. <laughs> People hate it. I love it. Uh-huh. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> like it's, you, you can admit when a movie is not great, but you know, you can enjoy aspects and of it. Fanboys hate that movie because it's so campy, but I love it. I, mm-hmm. That's that's one of it's not even a guilty pleasure. I have no problem saying I love that movie. <laughs> it's so much fun. I it's, have the uh, I, I got the Batman and Robin uh, comic book that came out. It was like just a thick, you know, volume or one issue thing of the comic, but it's just like retelling the movie. I like that thing. I mostly got it because, oh, look, it's Batman and Robin. Hardy, har, har, har. The movie one. And yeah. and I, I'm also a huge Nightwing Dick Grayson fan. So, like, the fact that they gave him essentially the Nightwing outfit with a cape was pretty cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a small tangent. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll save the rest. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for coming on, Mandy. Thanks yeah. for sharing your perspective. Again, Thor Ragnarok, go see it. Oh, it's a lot of absolute, fun. Absolute. Yeah, um, absolute. Go. I, I personally think it's going to exceed that at $115 million. I Word of mouth is going to spread I was just it. about everyone's to say that. Be, word of mouth gonna is go going see to. That movie because, oh, it's fun. It's funny. Let's, mm-hmm. let's see what's going on. Well, and especially the people that liked Guardians 1 or 2 so much, uh, especially 2 because it was a little bit more colorful, they're going to be like, oh, dude, it's like Guardians, but better. Like it's or Personal, it's good yeah. or or even if they liked Guardians more, they're gonna be like, oh, it's just like Guardians. It's it's funny space. Like I like how the theme of space is like weird '80s synth stuff, but that, that's like carried on. That's not just like oh, let's make like the space '80s weird. It's like that's the actual theme of space. It just works, and yeah. it's so colorful. Like it's so much more colorful than the superheroes on Earth, which yeah. is so funny. And and I just I love it. I love it. Whenever anything's out in space, it just feels like it's more fun. Yeah, and uh, it, you just reminded me of the title shot, the title screen at the very beginning of the movie was super cool. You have Thor trying to run away from the the dragon, and he gets taken up by the the Bifrost. And we all know that the Bifrost leaves like Asgardian patterns on the ground. Yeah, and they use that opportunity to just give you the title card of Thor right yeah. and it pulls out. Yep. And that was just super cool, and that was a really cool use of the good the editing too, because yeah. it was super fast. It, it looks like it would just be a normal cut to the title screen. It's a quick edit, so you don't even really like notice it. It's not like a slow p- drawback where it shows like smoke or something in mm-hmm. the Ragnarok. It's like the flash of the bridge, and then pulls, the bridge back, pulls back, and, it's and then it's that. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a really creative again. Like it's just a really creative thing. They didn't do the slow 
pan of oh look what it left in the dust kind of thing mm-hmm. but it also didn't just do a normal like white flash cut or black cut to screen it was just a quick little subtle edit that worked really well yeah yeah i just this movie is so good there's there's so many good things in it go see it if for nothing else korg <laughs> yeah <laughs> korg, korg is worth the two hours and 10 minutes of this movie even though he's only in it for maybe 10 minutes yeah uh, i would say collectively all of his scenes are another probably about day, 10 another minutes. doug <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goodbye doug <laughs> all right so yeah we're gonna wrap up mandy again thank you for for coming on yeah thank you for um, having me we'll definitely keep having you coming back uh, as long as you're available and work isn't too hectic for you i'll just fall asleep with the microphone just be like <laughs> the other thought was good man <laughs> so um you want to share your social media stuff again uh yeah yeah so pretty much you can find me on anything as beppo b-e-p-b-o i'm on twitter i, I mostly just reply to ninja sex party all the time um <laughs> and um i'm mostly just uh on instagram I guess I technically have a Tumblr where I post my art. I just haven't drawn in a while. So anything like that, feel free to follow me if you think I'm not too Some new cat pictures too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then like, I guess I technically have a YouTube under the same name. Again, haven't posted in a while, but yeah, if this goes off and people like hearing me talk, I guess I'll talk to people. (laughs) (laughs) You have to talk to you. you, They have to talk to you first though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And you can always follow Talking Smack. Again, Smack is S-M-A-C, superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Well, we, this is where we post our uh, YouTube videos or our podcasts on the YouTube. On the YouTubes. Oh, on the YouTubes <laughs> the kids use these days. Uh, we are also on Podbean. That's our hosting site. So if you don't have iTunes, you can always find us on Podbean. Subscribe. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Josh underscore Scar. Scar is spelled S-K-A-A-R, like Son of Hulk. You can find the Talking Smack podcast Twitter on tsmackpod uh, at Gmail. Or no, I'm sorry, Talking Smack Pod at G. I can't talk. It's getting too late. <laughs> you can find the Talking Smack podcast on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod. You can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> so, yeah, please give us a like, share, subscribe if you uh, enjoy listening to us talk about stuff that in the long run doesn't matter, but it's fun. <laughs> And it's a good escapism. It's a good distraction at work or uh, at home when you're just doing some fun stuff. Yeah, and if you're reading comics, we don't. I don't get a chance to talk a lot about comics just because most of my co-hosts don't really read comics. My most common co-hosts, I guess I should say. One of these <laughs> days when you have an off topic and there's no nerd news going on, let me know. Let's just have a podcast of our like, top favorite um, storylines. Yeah, definitely. The, the next few weeks, um, next week is going to be... Um, uh, I think next week is actually going to be a filler episode, so maybe even next week. The week after that is going to be Justice League, and then the week after that I'm going to try and do a Battlefront 2 review. Nice. Uh, but I have to find a way to get a copy of Battlefront 2 without having to pay $60. Redbox. Uh, <laughs> i got to find a Redbox that has it. True. <laughs> And then I got to find, uh, hopefully, a co-host that will be able to play it as well and uh, discuss it with me. And because sure. uh, a one-way review doesn't really work too well. No, yeah. <laughs> so um, th- that's going to be the week after Justice League, and then uh, I want to do a Star Wars revisit of Episode Seven before Episode Eight comes out. And I think there's a gap in between what I'm planning on doing with battlefront 2 and episode 7 but there's also thanksgiving weekend so i don't know if i want to make someone come over here to talk nerd shop with me on thanksgiving weekend but it's also thanksgiving weekend so it's like what else are you gonna do shop yeah <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> 
We'll make it work. <laughs> we'll figure something out. All right. So again, thanks for, for listening. Uh, thanks for listening to our rants. Thanks for listening to our tangents. Uh, we do have a lot of fun stuff coming up. Uh, we will definitely do that comic book storyline arc that Manny just suggested. That I love talking comics. We, Yosh. There was, well, we talked like two hours one day at Steak and Shake. After oh, yeah. It was, it was after, yeah, some movie. Like, that's that's how we bonded, man. I think it was Wonder Woman, actually. Like, you literally didn't even know me before yeah, that. And we were true. just eating burgers. Everybody's tired because it was after Harley the movie. Harley Quinn, She-Hulk, Captain Marvel. Holy shit. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Mandy. Uh, we'll definitely be doing this again soon. Yes, sir. Um, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And roll that theme music. <laughs>